Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The play has been week 15, so. Okay. So he's going to yes. practice in full today? No, he's not. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just giving oh. you shit because Rappaport's been wrong a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> right, so lock Drew Brees into play for week 14. <laughs> yeah, build 150 already. <laughs> just a little uh, Ian Rappaport smack talk here to start off the show. What's going on, guys? It's the awesome.com NFL strategy show. Week 14 edition talking ownership and top stacks. And I'm very excited for this because, well, this is our first 13 game week of the season. Now, I don't like 13 game weeks. I'll be honest with you. I prefer the 10s, 11s. It's a lot more easily digestible, but doesn't matter. We're talking about it anyway, and we're going to see some pretty flat ownership across the board, which makes things even more exciting. I'm Dave Locker, and hit me up on Twitter at Lafay underscore D if you haven't done so yet. It's L O U G H Y underscore D. With me, Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski on the Twitters and Kyle Dvorak at Kyle tweets here. Give those boys a follow. Well-deserved, well-warranted. You won't regret the decision. Kyle, what's up, brother? Not much. I actually kind of like, I mean, I agree. The 13 game slates are certainly just like more work for me, like both in like uh, the actual, like my day-to-day job and in my like DFS, which is like part of what I consider like a little bit of my income is definitely more work. But I think the more chances you give for the field to make bad decisions, like the more bad decisions they will make. Like, I still think people are playing DFS suboptimally. Like there wouldn't like that. I'm just saying, I I think there's still an edge and the more chances you give for people to make dumb decisions, like the more edge there will be as long as the field plays at the level they are right now. So although yes, more work, like let, let my opponents beat themselves. Is there also more opportunity for them to get lucky too though? I mean, yes, but as long as I believe they are still making minus EV decisions, like maybe it arguably increases variance as well. But as long as I still believe the majority of the field or enough of the field is making minus EV decisions, like I think it's just like saying, you know, there's more chances for you to get lucky if you stay longer at a blackjack table. But if you're playing blackjack as a losing player, you're going to lose. It's fair enough. Take to me. What's up, Matt? How are we feeling about this one? I like short slates, man. I won't lie. I me too. I, I don't know what it is. You've been it's liking those showdown slates as well. <laughs> oh, you know me, Lafayette. I love showdown. Um, it's it's not it has nothing to do with the luck and variance of it. I just personally like the small games and, and digging in deep more than anything. So I agree with everything Kyle said about luck and variance. It's just a, a personal preference of me being a complete degenerate and liking to dig into like the Mac guys that are seventh round draft picks. Happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And remember, all of our content can be found in podcast form. Any podcast platform, you can find it. 
whether it's iTunes, Spotify, I don't know, all of them, we're there. If you don't feel like going on YouTube, you want to do it differently, you want to be able to close your phone, put it in your pocket, maybe you don't have YouTube Premium or something like that, Any anything available on podcasts, hit us with a review and a rating if you like it too. But more importantly, if you like what we've done here, you think we've helped you along the way, maybe win some money, maybe change your thought process as it relates to DFS, or you just want to help support us the easiest way possible, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. It's completely free to do. And if you hate it and you hate us and you decide you've made the worst decision of your lives, well, just click unsubscribe. We're trying to get the 50,000, making that push. And the only way we can do it is with you guys. So everything, all the uh, support is appreciated. And of course, the best thing is we'll show up more on your recommended feed uh, on your homepage. You'll see if we're live, uh, the browse feature, everything will show up more if you're subscribed to the channel. And if you want alerts, hit the notification bell as well. All right, let's dive into it. Kyle, um, as we look at last week, I want to do a quick week in review here because this this perfectly exemplifies why we do this specific Wednesday show every single week. And I'm going to tell you right now, of the highest owned players, and you can find all of this content at Fantasy Cruncher Lineup Study. Get the add-on through us at awesomeo.com. If you're not a sub or even if you are a sub, you can grab that add-on. It gives you so much added value. It's incredible. Uh, the highest owned players in this order, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Anthony Ferkser, Cooper Cup, Miles Gaskin, Brandon Cooks, Austin Eckler, Robert Woods, Devontae Adams, Devontae Booker. Of those players, Devontae, or David Montgomery was in most of the winning lineups, and Devontae Adams was in a lot of them as well, most of them. Outside of that, though, Kyle, Dalvin Cook wasn't in any of the top seven millimaker lineups. Anthony Ferkser was fine, but you needed Waller. Cooper Cup had 15. He disappointed. Gaskin, fine in cash, maybe small fields. Disappointed largely, though, with 15. Brandon Cooks, big disappointment. Eckler, huge disappointment. Robert Woods, fine. Devontae Booker, massive disappointment. Those are your 10 highest owned players, and only two of them really turned out to be really, really solid. And that's why we come on here and give our pivots and opposite or alternative opportunities for every week. Yeah, was it you who threw out, and I just kind of like piggybacked on this, the, the Cam Akers leverage ended up being really good. James awesome. Robinson over, yeah, that was a really that was a really good spot by you, and he ended up doing exactly what we thought was possible. Not likely, but possible, yeah. and going out and dominating the work. I think he was uh, like uh, estimated DNP on Monday, but like that's the kind of scenario that you and I and Matt obviously look for, is places where like if game script goes one way, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods struggle a lot. If, you know, James Robinson and the Jaguars stay in things, it probably means Dalvin Cook didn't have a great game. So I think the million maker winning lineup had a James Robinson plus Justin Jefferson stack, which is great leverage off of Dalvin Cook. And I think these are like, like, obviously it's easy to see these things in hindsight. I also said Josh Reynolds was good leverage off of those Rams receivers. That certainly didn't hit. They're not all going to hit. But those are the types of plays we're looking for where we can find ways to see that this is what the chalk is going to be. And what if X player goes off? How does that impact the chalk? Last week, Cam Akers, you pointed out a great example and that one hit. And we're going to, you know, try and find those this week. Yeah, and Matt, we all get things right. We all get things wrong. Um, for example, I loved Darren Waller this week, but then I kept ending up with more Anthony Ferkser because of what it allowed me to do elsewhere. Yeah. Um, loved Cam Akers. That turned out to be great. But I also said Kenyon Drake was very solid leverage at, a, at the same price point as David Montgomery. And while he scored, that didn't get the job done. So we're going to get them right. We're going to get them wrong. But when you get them right at – 3%. I think Akers was sub 1%. Uh, 
Uh, those are the type of things they can hit. And, and you and Kyle have done a great job of finding that value all season long. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not always about how often you're hitting on these plays. It's what you stand to win when you do hit. And our good friend Kyle over there, he just had a GPP winning score. But Kyle, and, and you will both tell people, you're not going to win this every single week. But when you do, when you have a leverage play that is going to set you apart from the entire field, the payoff can be massive, especially if you're in one of these large field tournaments. So that's really what we're looking for when we play guys like Kenyon Drake. And I played a ton of him myself. Obviously, it didn't work out. And I didn't take down one of those GPP winning scores. But that's the ideal behind the play. Uh-huh. Well, um, well, look at that. Kai Roach says, life is so sad with that $1 week of premium expired. Well, I'm just mm-hmm. going to tell you right now, if, you're, if you've never signed up at Awesomeo, we've got a brand new promo. My God, we're just churning them out here. We want you guys to see what we've got going because we know you're going to love it. Why else would we do it? For NBA, it's right around the corner. Coming up very, very soon. I think, I think preseason starts in two days. Two days. If you use the promo code Caruso, you ready for this? Pay close attention because it's a ridiculous promo. If you use the promo code Caruso, you get access to everything we have for NBA in the preseason, and you get the first week of regular season NBA action, including projections, ownership projections, our expert Slack, the lineup builder, the um, the Boomer Bus tool, which is huge, and so much more. All of our premium articles, everything that these guys put all the time into number one ranked player, Alex Baker. Awesome. Oh, you know, him as that all of his tools, all of that stuff for one single dollar when you use the promo code Caruso. So if you didn't get in on the pumpkin one or Mayflower or any of these other awesome promos we've done here, it comes NBA right around the corner. One dollar use the promo code Caruso. When you sign up gets all of the premium uh, preseason content. And then the first week of regular season, premium content, everything for one single dollar. So jump on that for sure. You're not going to regret it. And if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. You have my name. My DMs are open. All right, let's keep it going then, boys. It's had to get that out there. It's too good of a deal. Um, Kyle, here's another thing. For last week, 10 of the top 11 fantasy scorers from week 13, again, all this found on Fantasy Cruncher, were under 10% ownership. One tight end, it was Darren Waller. Then you had four quarterbacks, four wide receivers, and one defense, all of which, and defense, whatever, but all of which were sub 10%. And you needed some of those guys in your lineups, namely Darren Waller. Again, it just goes to show you that there are going to be great plays and the chalk doesn't always hit. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that this week with pretty flat ownership. Yeah, I think the really interesting thing was the ownership we saw or lack of it on Darren Waller and Derek Carr stacks like that. For sure. Like you play the Jets, you have a, I, I believe they have the fifth highest team total on the on the main slate. Like, sure, there were definitely concerns that when you get up when you get up early, like most teams against the Jets do, although they didn't, but you know, that was the projected game script. Maybe that's why we saw low ownership on, I believe the highest scoring quarterback and like obviously the highest scoring tight end. I'm not sure. Maybe the highest scoring flex player. Maybe that's why we saw the low ownership on those guys. But like if we had known, or even maybe had an inkling that those guys would come in at those ownerships, like you should have put a lot of money on them. And I had some, like I, I had over the field on both Derek Carr and Darren Waller, but I was modestly over the field. And I think that was maybe, maybe a potential leak in my game is whether I was buying too much into the idea. Like I had, I probably just had too much Devontae Booker versus those guys. And I don't think Booker was a bad play, but man, like anytime you can get an incredibly concentrated offense that is projected to score a lot of points, the ceiling is absurdly high. And that was the case with that Derek Carr, Darren Waller stack. 
And even though I was over the field, like I, I simply don't think I took a strong enough stand. Although obviously it's kind of easy to say that now. For sure. And I'll give you one more example. Then we'll get into the plays for week 14. Mm -hmm. uh, Titans, Browns. We talked about it a lot throughout the week that this game could pop off and most people were going to envision it as being a run first game with no real passing. Well, guess what? It went the complete opposite direction. And if A.J. Brown didn't fumble inside the five, things could have looked a whole lot different. But Tannehill, Corey Davis went off. Baker Mayfield went off. Those are the type of games where you see Tennessee, knowing they're averaging 60 points per game this season, the total between them and their opponents. Great things happen, Matt. So uh, let's get into it and, and, and see what type of great things we can make happen this week. We'll kick it off at the running back position. And we'll start with Christian McCaffrey. He's expected to suit up. Uh, we're getting him right now around 20.5% ownership, followed by Eckler at 19.3 and Derrick Henry at 15.3%. How do we approach the top end of ownership and the top tier of running backs, given that uh, McCaffrey, Cook, and Henry are all 87 plus 100 or 8,700 plus? Yeah, and last week, the week before, we haven't really had a lot of difficulty jamming in Dalvin Cook, you, Derrick Henry, we haven't had Christian McCaffrey, of course, but you name the 8.59K running back of choice. We've had a lot of value, and I don't see it yet this week. That's not to say it won't open by the weekend again, which it has the last two weeks. But when we're talking about a full slate without a slew of injuries, I think getting to Christian McCaffrey and Austin Ackler and Derrick Henry, like the top four most owned running backs are all north of 7K on this slate. You definitely can't play all of them, and I think you can take a stand if you want, because none of them are coming in with that 30, 40% ownership we saw Dalvin Cook. So if you want to talk McCaffrey specifically, when he returned from his first injury, there were rumors that he might split the ball with Mike Davis rotate series. And that flat out didn't happen. They just used McCaffrey in the normal role he had played previously, enormous target volume, and they're going to be favored against Denver here. So I think McCaffrey certainly, certainly in play in this 20% ownership, I think it's about right. I would be more than comfortable taking a stand on McCaffrey if if that's the way the week shakes out. I Listen, with Christian McCaffrey, I was on him the last time, got lucky, um, and I'm willing to go back to the well this time. Now, granted, I think he was even cheaper last time, like 8,500, Kyle, which is preposterous. But we also don't know what the situation is with Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore. So maybe yep. that throws an even bigger wrench into the works. But I want your take here. Like Dalvin Cook, he's been a monster all season long. Fantasy points per game. No one outside of Christian McCaffrey, who we're not counting, has averaged more than Dalvin Cook. But he's got that tough matchup against a good Tampa Bay front. So is there a way to say, you know what, I'll pivot to Dalvin Cook I'm, or I'm staying with McCaffrey. This guy should be 10,000 plus. I mean, I think it really depends on the on the build of your lineup. Like, if you have already a very contrarian build, Chris McCaffrey at 9,200, I think, is just a far superior, like, points per dollar play, like, floor ceiling play, arguably, too, than Dalvin Cook for 200 more. We just know that Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy and on the field, is, like, one of the best fantasy players of all time, given his role. In his first game back, and we got, that was another classic Rappaport blunder, I believe. They said he would <laughs> rotate snaps with Mike Davis. Hardly saw any Mike Davis. I believe it was like 18 carries. I have the stat line pulled up. It was 18 carries and 10 targets, like 150 yards, I believe, from Christian McCaffrey in his first game back. And like 
on the small chance, because we don't know yet if they were close contact or positive tests, I believe, but on the small chance that like either Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore misses, like that is just so much more target bullying that could be potentially pushed to both Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. So yeah, I think as long as you haven't already built the the chalk line up top to bottom, Christian McCaffrey at 20% ownership isn't even that egregious. Like I think I almost be surprised if he comes in at 20% because I think he like efficient ownership for him could be closer to 25 to 30% given the likelihood of him just doing Christian McCaffrey things. Yeah, look, I'm more than willing to get to 25 or 20% Christian McCaffrey. I don't know what his ownership's going to look like, Matt, but I do know that right now there are a few guys going overlooked. When we get to the pivots, you'll hear about them. But Austin Eckler is 19.3%. He was arguably the biggest disappointment of the entire week. In week 13, they were blanked 45 nothing against the Patriots. Of course, Avante Booker, too. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm surprised by that. The guys had opportunities to be a starter throughout his career, and he squandered them each time, and they just lit the Jets up through the air. But he was still good value, sure. With with with, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Austin Eckler, he is now at $7,000. Aaron Jones is $7,600. James Robinson is 7,500 and pretty much the guy just can't fail at this point. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, I think he's expected to be a full go tomorrow's practice anyway. Like there are a lot of guys around here that are going to get reasonably high ownership, but nothing crazy. Eckler, 19%, Robinson, 15%. And then what do we have Aaron Jones coming in at? Probably what, like 15% as well? Uh, he's 12.9. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this mid-range is tough. I think you can poke holes in every single one of these guys to some degree. Eckler, he split the backfield directly with with Kalen Balaj, and it was different when we had Kalen Balaj inactive. Eckler had a career high in touches. When Balaj, I, I mean, I never thought I'd be saying Kalen Balaj is siphoning Austin Eckler's role, but <laughs> Balaj, 10 touches, Austin Eckler, 12. Perhaps this is more of a timeshare. It's just a dynamic situation where we're not quite certain what happens in Green Bay, obviously, Jamal Williams comes in for Aaron Jones. They just won't give him a, a full bell cow workload. And then James Robinson, perhaps we should just bet, be betting the Jaguars every single week because they are always double-digit underdogs. and They, they always root. cover. They always cover. It's crazy. So I never play James Robinson because I'm like, all right, well, he's a 14-point underdog, and they're implied for seven points. Like, I'm not going to play James Robinson, even though he has a bell cow role. They're going to get blown out. And then here they are, like – Two points. They lose to the Browns by two. They lose to the Packers by four. They lose to the Vikings by three. I mean, they're competitive in games, and it allows James Robinson to still rack up his touches. And I think I'm just betting the Jaguars now. You, you <laughs> have to. And we talked about it. Like, you you know, you're very open, Matt, with your process. And, and you said it a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was even last week, like, hey, maybe there is a leak in the way I'm looking at this. And I don't know if there is or isn't, but just to repeat what you said, that, hey, usually we don't like targeting teams that are huge dogs. Uh, and more importantly, we don't like targeting running backs on teams that are huge dogs. But you know, they went to overtime in this one outside of that Pittsburgh game where they got smoked. 
They stayed in there at Lambeau against Green Bay. They've stayed competitive in all of these games, yet they find ways to lose. It doesn't matter because James Robinson is essentially the only running back on the field at this point, Kyle. So I guess I'll, I'll leave it at this at the top. You have so many good running backs. Uh, Alvin Kamara, we don't need to spend a ton of time on him, but I will just point out that, um, and, and I guess we don't, if, if you heard the hot mics before the show started, we don't expect Breeze to play uh, this week, but Alvin Kamara, 7,100, uh, 5% ownership right now. He got uh, 18 looks last game and the Eagles, I'll say this until I'm out of, I'm blue in the face because it happened against the, the, the Cleveland uh, Browns. And then it happened again this week. Their defense wears down late in games because the offense is never on the field. Aaron Jones broke off a 70-plus yard touchdown. Nick Chubb broke off a 50-plus yard touchdown, all of which came in the fourth quarter. So their defense, run defense, is actually good, and then it just completely unravels towards the end of the game. Maybe Alvin Kamara can get it done, but if Drew Brees isn't in there, I definitely like to look elsewhere. Do you have anywhere else, Kyle, at the top of ownership that you want to talk about, maybe Miles Gaskin or someone else? Yeah, Miles Gaskin would be a really interesting one because I think he kind of uh, bucks that trend a little bit of out of the top five. I'm counting this right one. Yeah, out of the top five, he's the only one under 7K, and he's 5,600, so he's not even close. And last week, we saw him dominate the rushing work. He came back to like 20, 21 carries, I believe, and two targets. He got a little bit of that passing down work siphoned away by like Patrick Laird and uh, whatever like Swiss Army Knife uh, guys that they got. Lynn Bowden, I believe, got some looks. But generally speaking, he looks like he's going to maintain that role that he had in the middle to like basically up until he got hurt and placed on injured reserve, which was like 15 to 20 carries plus two to five targets a game at kind of a minimum. And I think the way that to attack a Viloa plays might actually even be like beneficial for someone who is like a low A dot guy. Obviously, all running backs are low A dot guys, but it seems like very inverse where. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the deep Devontae Parker stud producer. And then Mike Gusecki across the middle pops up whenever two is in the lineup. I think Miles Gaskin would kind of maybe fit that role a little bit. And we know his carries are just going to be so good. The matchup is not great simply because he's going to be an underdog. But I do think this is a, a game worth targeting. And maybe it's the same thing with James Robinson, where you play James Robinson with pass catchers on the other side because somehow James Robinson's team covers the spread, keeps it close. And then you have already bucked that trend of like, well, we can't play James Robinson. He's, uh, you know, his team is going to be an underdog and whatever. But if his team isn't under, under an underdog, he becomes a great play. And the receivers on the other side also become great plays. So I think Miles Gaskin would be like the perfect bet on that specifically. For sure. And someone mentioned in chat, if we're talking low on guys, someone has to, you have to mention Todd Gurley. Not really. I and mean, he's, <laughs> he played the same amount of snaps, actually less snaps as Ito Smith this last week. And Matt, while Ito Smith was being evaluated for a head injury, I still don't know what his status is. Maybe you could make the argument that if Smith is out, that, you know, Gurley is fine at that price point. But Ito Smith, I, I'm beginning to wonder if, if he's healthy, does he actually end up splitting work with Todd Gurley? Or was Todd Gurley being limited coming off of that injury? I don't know. But it's just not, it's simply not a situation that I'm eager to find out with or find out about. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think there's any reason. I mean, unless we get some sort of news at the end of the week, at least at this point, knowing what we do about Atlanta, I don't think there's a real reason to get to much Gurley. We've seen them in situations like this this year, and Gurley's been very reliant on touchdown production. I know he's quite cheap, so if you're just looking for a complete punt play, I'm fine with it. But honestly, in that range, when we're talking about complete punt plays, 
Antonio Gibson's not expected to play. J.D. McKissick is 4,900. I think his ownership will skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. Sounded like you were still going there. Sorry. Uh, I was, I was just like, you know what's... Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Matt. No, I'm just looking at 5.9 ownership, and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that it stays here. Even, like, say the game is going to be projected close. It's San Francisco minus four right now. So J.D. McKissick, obviously, he's an underdog in a way underdog traveling across the country to San Francisco. We don't like that, but he can catch passes. He's active in all phases of the game. They'll probably use Peyton Barber to some degree. I mean, if you have Peyton Barber on your team, it's like an unwritten rule of the NFL, like Jordan Howard and Adrian Peterson. Like they need to play snaps regardless of what team they on and what year it is. Peyton Barber is kind of like that, but I still think McKissick will handle a decent workload. If Antonio Gibson, in fact, misses, which he's expected to. You know, my thoughts on McKissick. I mean, I I'm more than willing to get there whenever and, I don't think you're going to see Logan Thomas games popping off like we did last week against Pittsburgh. (laughs) If Gibson's out, I agree. McKissick is a phenomenal option. I could see another double-digit target game in San Francisco or wherever they're playing. Now, Kyle, what were you going to say? It's so funny when you were you started off your sentence by saying, you know, someone in chat saying the low owned guy we haven't talked about. And you started with a T. I was like, oh, he's going to say Ty Johnson because never in my <laughs> mind did Todd Gurley cross my yeah. mind like low owned guy that starts with a T inexplicably Ty Johnson came to my mind more than Todd Gurley, which should tell you something both about Todd Gurley, but also Ty Johnson, who logged 22 carries last week, a handful of targets. It, it was a game where, you know, inexplicably the Jets were winning, which is you know never really the projection. But interesting, interesting to think about that we're going to get someone who has, you know, 25 plus potential, maybe if they can like cover the spread sort of the same way we talk about with like a Robinson or Gaskin, I honestly would rather play Ty Johnson. That's the worst beat I took all season, by the way, Jets money line. Um, (laughs) That that was the worst one I've taken from a betting standpoint this year. There's no doubt about it. And Greg Williams, good riddance, you asshole. Uh, I I got another one that was mentioned in chat and I'm glad because I think this is really worth bringing up. And I don't know about you guys, but Mr. 1980s porn mustache himself, Giovanni Bernard, could be the absolute bang-up play this week. I mean, I absolutely don't see any reason why he should be this low-owned if Mixon doesn't play. Now, I know they're saying that Mixon um, could be activated for Week 14, and guess what? If he is at 5,900, I'm going to be all over that as well. Sure, they're talking about you know, maybe he won't, maybe he'll be limited. I get that. But how many times do we have to go back to the same conversation? If you're in large field tournaments and you're hearing, oh, Mixon's going to be limited coming back. Well, case in point, take Christian McCaffrey, wasn't limited. Uh, take Dalvin Cook in that one game where people were worried that he wouldn't return at full capacity. How about Austin Eckler getting 30 total looks? when the reporting was that he wouldn't return at full capacity. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's bullshit. And if you're willing to roll the dice on the bullshit side of it, well, then Joe Mixon, if he returns, or Gio Bernard, if he doesn't, could be fantastic. And, Kyle, the reason I say this is the Dallas Cowboys, just just hear me out, right? I think last night was the third highest rushing total they've ever allowed in franchise history. So I thought to myself, that's interesting because they allowed 294 rushing yards. Earlier in the year, they allowed 307 to Cleveland. So does that mean that two of the three highest rushing totals they've ever allowed in franchise history have come in the same season? They're getting dismantled on the ground, absolutely obliterated by opposing run uh, run teams. We saw Gibson with three rushing touchdowns last week. They put up almost 200 rushing yards. 
I'm all over the Cincinnati offense on the ground. If even, even I don't care who's at quarterback. Maybe I'm crazy, but like, it's just too good of a spot for me to ignore. What else do you got here with the pivots? Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that one because it is uh, like, it's a great brother. It's a great spot, but like, we know definitively that this offense is downright god awful. Like I like I can't get away with talking about Ty Johnson and then like chastise you for saying Giovanni Bernard. So I get it. It's just or that fifty nine hundred dollar Mixon. Yeah, fifty nine hundred dollar Mixon would maybe even be a little more interesting. But honestly, I think the the value he offers is like not that like as an NFL franchise, the value he offers is probably not that much different. Giovanni Bernard. I get it. What did you what what's Giovanni Bernard's ownership going to be? You're going to talk me into this, aren't you? Dude, right now, Gio is at 1.8%. All right, at 1.8%, I think it's fair to play him. His offense is going to be terrible, but, like, I literally, like, Ty Johnson is the perfect example. Terrible offense. If you tell me he has 20 carry potential, go for it, man, especially when, at least for Giovanni Bernard, assuming he is the one, like, his matchup is going to be great, as you said. I Like, his offense is awful. Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen have both had in their careers a 3% or worse interception rate and a double-digit sack rate. Like, they are drive killers. But the drive maker is when Dallas lets you run for 20 yards on a single play. So at that ownership, I actually, like, I would play it. Go ahead. I'm going to play it. All right. Um, Matt, I love the dis- I love when we disagree on this show because what would it be if all of us agree? But I'll just throw one more thing out there. The Bengals are only, <laughs> sorry, three-and-a-half-point dogs at home. They don't have a high implied total at all because they stink, justifiably so. But if it's a field goal spread, I really don't care all that much. I mean, the Jets are, what, 13-and-a-half-point dogs, so Kyle now realizes, hey, I can't, I can't say this and then say this. But to be fair, I guess pass catching upside, that, that factors in as well. But I think Geo is kind of game script proof uh, if he's going to be out there with a quarterback that's bad that forces some dump offs as an extension of the run as well. So I'll die on this hill boys. And you heard it here on Wednesday. I will die on this hill. Matt, close out the running back position for us. Yeah. First of all, I agree with you a lot with you. I played him a couple times for leverage so far this year. So I'm definitely still interested in, in Giovanni Bernard down in that range. I think there's some interesting backs and timeshares we could look to for some potential leverage. Like Mostert stands out at 1%. He's someone that could easily work into a larger role, which he's done previously this year. We just didn't see it last week. We haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks, but we know who Mostert is. Drake had a very high, Kenyon Drake, that is, very high touch volume prior to last week's game. He gets the Giants. He's only five. Yeah, not the rapper, K. to be clear. Not the rapper. <laughs> not the rapper, that football player, Kenyon Drake, Alabama, former star there. Yeah, I, these guys in timeshares are interesting to me as leverage down in this like punt range. If McKissick does come in with heavy ownership, I think I'll take a similar approach to this week, which failed last week. But, you know, target guys like Drake down there with higher team totals, favorites against poor run defenses. Okay. Man, this is a really fun slate. Kyle, maybe you're right about it being 13 games. It, this, is, right? this is a fun slate. It really, really is. Um Let's talk about wide receivers, boys. We could we could spend another hour on running back easily right now. There's just so much to get to, but uh, we'll move over to wide receiver because we're going to try and keep this somewhat succinct. Devontae Adams, uh, Tyree Kill, Metcalf, these guys are all at the top of the pricing tier, Kyle. And one thing that they all have in common is they're tournament winners. They have been all season long. The games, it's not like they average 25 fantasy points per game and then all of their fantasy performances are between like 20 and 30, right? 
They're having monster blow-up games. Adams, huge games. Tyree Kill, the biggest fantasy performance I've seen in a while. DK Metcalf, another one of those guys. This guy has more yard, or 15 fewer yards at Lincoln Financial Field, uh, or had 15 fewer yards against the Eagles in that game at Lincoln Financial Field than Arthega Whiteside has in his entire career. So, you know, put that in the context. He has more yards at the Eagles stadium than Whiteside has for his entire career at any stadium. Sorry, I had to get that in there. You know how, you know, how miserable I am. But point is, they all have legitimate like 40, 50 fantasy point upside. Ownership on them right now. Devontae Adams, uh, no surprise coming in at the top at 18.8%, which still isn't absurd. Uh, and then where's Hill? Hill's at 11.8%. And Metcalf, is, oh my God, where is Metcalf? 6.9. Whoo. Go ahead, Kyle. Floor is yours, man. Yeah. So at the top, like, like I can't disagree with any of these plays. Like they all make sense. Corey Davis is like a bona fide number one receiver, clearly the top option on his team, really not anyone even in second or third place to contend with him. And that's been, you know, obvious all year. So I get that <laughs> in terms of the, the most expensive guys. I love it. I love throwing this AJ Brown shade guy gives like, eight targets a game and goes for 150 in a touchdown. I'm not buying your efficiency, A.J. Brown. I see Corey Davis out here hustling. In terms of the expensive guys, though, Tyreek Hill, I, like, I think the ownership in this slate is probably, like we talked about it before, it is so flat because there are no standout values. There's no, like, maybe if... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. People come around to the J.D. McKissick thing. We see guys like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and the expensive running backs get bumped up. But if our ownership is even close to right on J.D. McKissick and any of the other guys like Ty Johnson or whoever the cheap guys are, if the ownership is right on those guys, it's going to continue to stay very flat. And I'm fine with paying, you know, top five ownership for Tyreek Hill and I believe number one ownership for Patrick Mahomes because the stacking ownership on them right now, we have them both hovering around 10 percent, like 10 and 12 percent. The stack ownership on them is going to be six 7% maybe given their combined ownerships. So I think when you can get the upside of a Patrick Mahomes Tyree Kill stack, albeit a very expensive upside to pay for, one, it's not going to be highly owned, and two, it necessarily puts you off of the expensive running backs, whom we talked about being the bulk of the chalk at running back is the expensive guys. People are trying to pay for this certainty, but as Matt alluded to, like I'm okay buying into the uncertainty of these committee backs because when it hits – I'm paid out disproportionately because I get the hit at running back and I've locked in like a top flight option in say a Patrick Mahomes, Tyree kill stack, or, you know, like Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, another like great example. We talked about how low owned those guys are going to be. So at the top of pricing, I think I'm willing to go to these like more expensive guys. For me, it's Tyree kill. I, I think, you know, Devonte Adams is a perfectly equitable argument as well. Stacking him with Rogers. I'm going to go with the Tyree kill Patrick Mahomes stack. I get that it is quote popular, but being top five at wide receiver and number one at quarterback this week is not the same as other weeks. So I think the context of the slate matters so much in my stance on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Ownership is not going to matter as much this week, but Matt, I'll tell you this much. If Metcalf, and I think he will, I think 
ownership is in flux throughout the week. We know it's going to change. Someone asked, like, why are we talking ownership? I, jokingly in chat, why are we talking ownership on Wednesday? First of all, we just love football and, you know, it's fun to talk about it, but it does still give you a decent idea when you start building lineups early in the week, what we're looking at. You know, you're going to get some injury news. Things are going to change, but I digress, Matt. 6.9% DK Metcalf against the Jets after we've seen countless receivers and pass catchers light them up for ungodly numbers. I know he's really expensive, but absolute clear slate breaking upside is possible here. And uh, I don't want to ignore him at that ownership. I don't think you should ignore him. 7% is ridiculous. And there will be some sort of value in the slate. We already have McKissick. Who knows what else opens up throughout the week. But DK Metcalf at 7% is just absolutely ridiculous. We've done this a couple times this year against the Jets. We've done it with the Chiefs. We did it with the Raiders last week. How many times are we going to fade teams just because they're playing the Jets? And, you know, we can galaxy brain ourselves out of the plays on the team. I'll be with you and I won't be doing that either. One player I am still interested in is Keenan Allen, and he's fairly high up our ownership list, but it's still only 10% for him. And the dude has just absolutely absurd target volume. And I don't even think his target share does him justice because he has a 28% target share, but he's playing in the fastest offense in the NFL. So when this is adjusted, his target volume just comes out like the stone best outside of Devontae Adams in the NFL. He's 7.7K, which is arguably a little too cheap for him. 10% ownership, that's a little too I guess under owned for me, I will definitely be targeting Keenan Allen at this price in ownership. What about, um, what about someone like, I don't want to get to pivots quite yet because there's some, some fun ones to hit on here, but Julio Jones is at 12%. Uh, and the reason for that very simply, Matt, is when you are $6,600, he almost made like the nicest catch of the season, by the way, he came so close uh, in on Sunday with that extended Odell Beckham type behind the head grab. He still had double digit targets, 94 yards against a really tough new Orleans saints defense. Now he gets a chargers team that whether it's Anthony Lynn, whether it's just, they've given up all hope or what this defense continues to, to regress as the season goes on. At least it feels that way. Julio Jones, 12%, not that high $6,600. What do you think there? I'm fine with Julio at that price tag. 12% ownership is fine as well. The LA defense hasn't been great. They are getting a little healthier. I know Casey Hayward's finally getting healthy for that team. The problem is he rotates those big games with, with Calvin Ridley. So when I get Julio Jones as the fourth highest owned receiver on the entire slate, I'm more likely to pivot down to someone like Keenan Allen, who is, you know, he's a little bit more expensive, but he's less owned. Someone like Robbie Anderson's right in that same price range. And there's numerous pivots. We could keep going down the ownership totem pole and find less owned players with similar roles to Julio Jones in good spots. So it's not that I don't like Julio as a player. I think he's, he's fine. He's fantastic. You mentioned the talent and the catch. All that's great. It's more so just the ownership on the play. There's so many good wide receivers this week, Kyle, that you're getting really the pick of the litter when it comes to not having to worry about ownership as much. Allen Robinson's 10%. He's got Houston. Keenan Allen's under 11. He's got Atlanta. Robbie Anderson, depending on the injury situation there, we'll see A.J. Boy's out for the year, right, with a six-game suspension. PEDs, 10.8% on Anderson. Like, they're all really tightly grouped, and most of them in spectacular spots. I'll even throw Godwin in there against Minnesota, Adam Thielen against Tampa Bay. Like the, the, the list just goes on and on and on early in the week. How are you shaking this out? Cause it's tough. 
Yeah, we've named a bunch of guys who I think have ceilings that come close to Devontae Adams. Like, I would say maybe, like, sure. arguably only Tyreek Hill and maybe Keenan Allen have, like, the exact same ceiling projection. But I would argue Calvin Ridley comes fairly close. Even Julio Jones obviously comes fairly close. DK Metcalf probably has the, probably isn't that conversation of the exact same ceiling. They're all cheaper and less owned. And last week, I was I was kind of fine going to Devontae Adams because I thought he gave me some leverage off of the, the chalky builds. I don't think you need to get up there this week because he's going to be the most popular receiver. He's the most expensive receiver by a pretty considerable margin. And you get the same or the same, you know, salary adjusted upside by going down to Keenan Allen, who like his target volume is not that much different than Devontae Adams. And his quarterback generally has been throwing touchdowns at a crazy clip. So I think maybe fading Devontae Adams looks like one of my bigger pivots, as well as, as Matt said, I think anytime you get, like, this is the scenario we always had with, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We've had it this year with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and we're going to have it this week with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. The guys are a coin flip. I truly have no strong opinion any given week. Like, I'm not going to look at their cornerback matchups. I'm not going to look at unless, like, one of them is, like, extremely unhealthy. Like, there's no reason for me to believe Julio Jones has a massive advantage other than his price, obviously, over Calvin Ridley. I'm going to choose the lower owned one and I'm probably going to go over the field on the lower owned one specifically when the higher owned one is top five ownership. If they're both low owned, I'll probably mix in both. That's not the case this week. So I think paying, you know, paying a little more, I believe for Calvin Ridley is probably the way to go. Where is his ownership? I cannot find him. I have six six percent. Okay. Yeah. When you get, uh, it's going to be about half the ownership of someone like uh, Julio Jones. I, I just, you know, that's the leverage play every single week. I think that's a good call too. Um, to put it in context though, just so we're clear, like half of 12% ownership is a lot different than half of 40% ownership. Yeah. Um, just, just given like how many people are actually going to have either of these guys. Um, I don't think it'll be absurd, but I definitely think you guys are right. Julio Jones is going to be more popular just given that decreased price point. Um, you know, what was I looking at? I was just looking something up and now I totally forgot what I was doing. All right. Well, I guess we'll move. Oh, oh, I know what it was. I was going to say, Matt, just how bad does the Jets defense need to be? Because Tyler Lockett is $7,200. He's let a lot of people down recently getting 7% ownership. Just how bad does the Jets need, defense need to be that they haven't won a single game this season, but they're, uh, set, they're 31st in passing yards allowed per game and they're uh, 30th in yards per attempt for opposing passers. Uh, also, touchdown passes, they've allowed 24 on the season. The reason I mention this is because usually when a team is this bad, you look at them and you see how badly they've been run on and what type, how they've been gutted on the ground. But at this point, it's like teams can just throw on them at will and do essentially anything they want to do. Is there any, and I, I, I'm not trying to spe- like isolate one specific team, but I am because they've been that bad. Is there any way you think to be really different with this, with the uh, Seahawks or is right now current ownership saying all you got to do to be different is play the guys that are the best on the team to begin with. I honestly think it's that, like, I don't think you need to get crazy and start looking at Chris Carson or Jacob Hollister. The ownership's low enough on Metcalf. It's low enough on Lockett where I'm not too worried about it. And honestly, just to get, I know Kyle's going to love this, get real football guys on you for a second. You'd look at the Jets (laughs) defense They're a team that's been with Greg Williams specifically as their DC. He's been very committed to stopping the run. And he's also a defensive coordinator that brings a ton of pressure. He's like, always. always. 
And he's doing this with horrific corners. Like Bless and Austin's like a sixth round, second year player out of, I believe, Maryland. Like horrific, horrific practice squad level corners that couldn't even sniff a roster spot on some other teams. So he's bringing seven, eight guys at times with these three on an island covering, you know, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill. And you've seen how it works. It doesn't work very well. So it's been a very easy way to beat the Jets. I'm not sure it continues this week. They obviously cleaned house a little bit, got rid of him. So who knows how it shifts. Maybe they will be a little more susceptible to the run. All right. Kyle, did you like that? I liked it. It was interesting. It's a world that, you know, you opened these curtains to something I had never, never seen before. Couldn't experience myself. Like, I, you know, the amount of bullying I suffered in, in high school, I never would have looked at a football field in my life. So it's very interesting. How did you get into football? I, I, that's not true. I actually did play football all the way up until high school, but I mean, I was like terrible. I was like undersized, tiny. Were you a, kick? and, Were you uh, a kicker? No, I played, yeah. I played like slot wide receiver, but all, all the okay. way through high school, we were like 1940s football. Like we had teams that didn't pass in single games. <laughs> like, so I was like blocking safeties for fun or whatever. You're a good Gunnar Olszewski, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, no. Cause he's good at what he does. I wasn't even like, I didn't offer any value. He offers value every fifth week or whatever. Were you fast? Probably not. No. Okay. So was... No, I wasn't any good. Like there was no way to to spin this. I was not uh, not any good. I was at least like okay at, at, uh, at like soccer. I played soccer, played lacrosse a little bit. I was better at those than I was at football. I was a, just a non-zero. You were playing with ten men on the field when I played football. <laughs> well, I can appreciate your honesty, uh, Kyle. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on pivots at wide receiver because we've already hit on a lot of them at like five, six, four percent. Uh, is there anyone right now that stands out that isn't looking at much ownership at all? Like I, you could throw Antonio Brown out there. He's 5,500 Mike Evans. Both of those guys are getting no ownership. Uh, and I think because no one knows which one of them is ever going to go off, but I don't necessarily know how insanely crazy we need to get this week. If ownership's actually going to be this flat outside of the top three or four. So I don't think you need to, I agree. I don't think like you have to do anything like insane to make a like, a, you know, decently leveraged roster. But right now we have Tampa Bay as the fourth highest implied team total of the entire week at 29 points. And they're one of the most pass heavy teams in the league. Like I get it. Brady hasn't been good up until like the the game. It was mostly like, I think garbage time or kind of just a losing effort versus the Chiefs. He was struggling before that. I don't really care about that. We see that they throw a lot. We see that they have a very high implied team total in a game that we should be targeting, a 51 and a half uh, game total versus Minnesota. I, I'm fine with going with any of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown because Godwin is going to be the highest owned of them. Not absurd ownership, but the highest owned. I don't think like there's any specific reason to call out Godwin as the, the one who deserves to be highest owned. He and Antonio Brown, since Brown joined the team, have an identical whopper. Brown gets there slightly more in air yards. Godwin gets there slightly more in targets, and it balances itself out to where their volume is essentially identical. So for that reason, why not just take – like volume is the same. There's no reason to pick one over the other, other for the most part other than like our priors on Chris Godwin from early in the year. But they grow weaker as he doesn't, you know, out outpace Antonio Brown through their four or five games. So I go with Brown as like the pivot. Mike Evans is is clearly cementing himself as the number one receiver when they have this three wide receiver setup. So I go with like Mike Evans. I think this is even a spot where you can double stack the modestly expensive. It's just not super cheap. You can double stack a Mike Evans with an Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin if you want to. Like I'm probably playing enough Brady that I certainly get into some Godwin. It's just that I don't think there's any specific reason to like Godwin immensely over Antonio Brown. And I think Mike Evans is the number one receiver. So obviously I'm going to have a lot of him. Hey, Matt, what do you say? Any other wide receivers we haven't hit on yet? 
I'll just briefly mention Sammy Watkins. I think anytime yes. you can get a, a really Kyle, you, this is a weekly Love occurrence it. for me at this point. Love it. But I'm, I'm speaking to Sammy Watkins. I mean, you're talking about an every down player with Patrick Mahomes, and he's three percent owned. He's four point nine k. I mean, both of those are fantastic. He's not like Nicole Hardman. He's not like Demarcus Robinson. He's his role is full time with this offense, and we've seen him pop up for big games. They're obviously going to occur less often than in Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey games, but that's not why you're playing him. You're you're playing him because he's an access point to Patrick Mahomes at a cheap price. What happens when Miami wins this game? I'll be very happy. I love that team. I, I don't love think that they, team too. I, I know they're so fun. I don't think they win, but. I think Miami has a legitimate shot of keeping this game really competitive. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was lower scoring than we think. Um, that said, I'd much rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick in there because if things do go downhill, if things go South quick, Kyle, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, while he might make things worse, it's definitely possible. He could also say, all right, we're down by 21. Let's sling it boys. And then just start ripping it downfield and putting up big yards. I just don't have any faith that Tua can do that right now. And it kind of saddens me that, yes, we have Miles Gaskin. That's cool and all. But, like, the value of the pass catchers on this team takes such a huge hit. Whereas if Fitz was in this game, I think we'd be talking so much more about how much we like game stacks, to be honest with you. Yeah, I get it. I'd probably like Fitzpatrick more, too. But, like, Tua has been really efficient. He hasn't been – I don't want efficiency. I want points. Efficiency, like efficiency produces points though. He throws touchdowns at a higher rate. Like he doesn't throw interceptions at all. His drives don't end because he's taking sacks. His drives don't end because he's throwing interceptions. He hasn't thrown an interception this year. Like they, like they're good. I think we can think of them not as fun, exciting Tampa Bay or last season, Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but think of them as like, like the LA Rams, the LA Rams aren't going to really produce like tons of crazy plays unless it's like yards after the catch Cooper cup or Robert Woods. But we still target the L.A. Rams when they're dogs because they're probably playing in a good environment. They're probably passing more. And Jared Goff, as long as he has a clean pocket, is, like, generally efficient. He's good enough at getting the ball to the guys we want to target. That's all I need. Like, I certainly think it's more exciting to have Ryan Fitzpatrick in the game. But do I think that Tua is efficient enough that if his team has to crank up the passing volume, he can get Mike Gusecki to a 10-catch game or something like that where Mike Gusecki is the one doing the work after the catch? Absolutely. I, I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably more exciting for fantasy. But Tua doesn't kill this team. And in fact, like outside of the first, like the first half of last week, he was incredible in the second half, just hitting every single pass. He even had this like dime, absolute dime of a deep ball to Jakeem Grant. The Grant just bricked. Like it was so bad. It would have been like, it would have been like an 80 yard touchdown or something. So I think the, the variance in his, you know, deep ball passing maybe hasn't swung his way. Maybe he's not as good as Fitzpatrick. Certainly possible. But if you're telling me they're going to potentially crank up the passing volume because they're going to be assumedly losing this game, two has been efficient. Think of them as stacking, you know, Robert Woods in a run back with, you know, with um, a chief stack, whatever, you know, think of them as that way, as opposed to stacking, you know, a Devontae Parker type player. Assumedly. Yeah. That's a word, isn't it? <laughs> no. I, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. That was awesome. But it, what you're saying makes sense. But the thing is, like, are interceptions really that bad? Not for DFS. Like, your interceptions they don't hurt you in six. points, but they take, they take the ball out of your hands. Pick sixes are good. Right. Interceptions are not good. Uh, it depends, I guess, on field position. Because then, it does, yeah. Because then you're giving yourself – then you're forced to throw more. I don't know, Matt. 
Uh, give me your take on this game. This is why I like these these disagreements because it's fun. How much do you think Tua affects the Miami Dolphins uh, compared to compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick? I think he's a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think that's necessarily good for DFS. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick's recklessness for DFS specifically. I, I think assumedly is a word. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm go looking ahead. up right here. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's it, man. That's all I had to say. I like Tua, but it's my, I have strong priors on Tua from his days in college. I don't think I've ever heard anyone use the word assumedly. I'm like 90% sure I've used it on this show. How's really? a worm? Assumed. I wasn't gonna be in wasn't gonna be playing sports. I'm Tell impressed. Hey, I'm impressed. I have a pretty stellar vocabulary, Kyle, and I just made fun of you for a word that's actually real. This is uh, the bit on Conan where I forget it was a girl who comes on and uh, I don't remember who it was, but Conan, she tells Conan he used a word incorrectly or used a word that wasn't real. And later in the show, he pulls out a dictionary and just really lays it on thick. I saw that. I saw that. I forget, it was great. Who it was. was it uh, the uh, irregardless? Uh, it, yes, I think it was like that kind of word. Right. Because that's a word, yeah. but it's a pointless word because doesn't it mean the same thing as regardless? Yeah, exactly. It makes no sense. All right. Assumedly. All right. Look at that. <laughs> Let's go to tight ends, fellas. There's, there's not going to be a lot to talk about here at all. Um, because there's just not a lot of chalk. And Matt, it's actually been that way for a while now. But Travis Kelsey, 7,400. Treat him as a receiver. You have to treat the man as a receiver. 16.3%. Then it plummets. Darren, uh, Darren Waller, half the ownership of Travis Kelsey is the next highest owned player. And his price is all the way up to 6,800. I want nothing to do with that this week. And then Darren, uh, Dallas Goddard at 4,000. Jordan Akins. It's, um, it's a barren wasteland, but we got to talk about it. The usual strategy for me at tight end is either pay all the way up or all the way down. Two weeks ago, I pay up all the way for Waller. Waller busts. This last week, I pay all the way down for Ferkser, which is kind of my brand at this point. Ferkser does fine, but Waller goes absolutely ballistic, you still lose. This week, just looking at the tight end landscape, I dug into this a little bit before show, trying to find, all right, who's the punt tight end I'm just going to go out there and absolutely lay it on the line for this week, and I can't find one that I like. This is the first time this has ever happened to me all season. I cannot find a sub-3K guy that I am excited about playing, so I don't know. Maybe I'm going to end up on Hunter Henry this week. Hunter Henry is very, very good volume outside of the most recent game he played. He's 4.4K playing Atlanta. Same reasons I like Keenan Allen. Good matchup there. Good volume. I think there's a reasonable chance I might end up in the mid-range, and I don't think I've done that once this year. Interesting. Yeah, I think most weeks we don't. Uh, but who do we go to? Like, I'm not playing Mo Alley Cox. Listen, I know, man. It's tough. Um, let's let's get Kyle's, get Kyle's take on it. Evan Ingram's 43 against Arizona. Goddard's 4,000 in a really shitty matchup against New Orleans. Hunter Henry against Atlanta. Matt just mentioned him. Robert Tunyon, the guy is scoring a lot of touchdowns. He's facing Detroit. He's like 4% and coming in at low 4K. And then Logan Thomas against San Francisco coming off a career game. So there are some guys that we can talk about here, Kyle. It's just a matter of which one do we have actual true interest in or do we not need to? Yeah, the only one I have, like, true interest in as, like, a standalone play is Dallas Goddard. Like, he's just operated clearly as the number one receiver since returning, if you exclude his first game back, which I believe was the weird game against Dallas, and he, like, didn't seem like he was fully healthy. 
Since then, he's averaged nearly six targets per game. He's nine more targets than the second most uh, targets on the Eagles. So I think uh, at like 4K, he's a number one receiver. He's not not maybe a number one receiver on a great team, although maybe that turns around with Jalen Hurts under center. So I think the upside of that plus his target volume makes him like actually a legitimate good play at his price. The rest of it is correlation. Like I think Hunter Henry in a game environment that should be very good against terrible defense makes a lot of sense. It's probably though as at least a secondary stack. Like I'm probably running him back with a Calvin Ridley, like almost for sure. I'm probably even stacking him with a Justin Herbert. So I like him because he correlates, not because I think he is this like great value play. I think Travis Kelsey is interesting, but honestly, in the same game, there's a tight end I like more that I talked about, Mike Gusecki. It was two weeks, two weeks ago. I don't know, whatever. It was like two weeks ago where it was Kansas City versus uh, Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. We were going to have high ownership on Kelsey, deservedly so. I pivoted to Tyreek Hill and then playing the same, like the same game tight end, but just the other tight end in Gronkowski. And Gronk had a big game. I think that's a perfectly viable strategy again to go with Gusecki, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, the boy, and Patrick Mahomes. Like I think. Just playing a tight end in the game you want to target is going to be my strategy this week. I would have been a little interested in like Jacob Hollister, but I believe he split work last week with Will Disley again. So honestly, it's correlation for me. If I have a Justin Herbert stack without Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst at 3,700, another rate play. Okay. Speaking of Rob Gronkowski, uh, I, I think people just assumed that he was washed at the end of, or at the beginning of the season because he got no work and clearly wasn't in game shape. But uh, his fantasy totals over his last seven games, 19, 17, 14, then one, uh, 13, 4, 20. So he's had 13 plus DraftKings points now in five of his last seven games, facing a Minnesota team that is showing some improvement, but is still battered by injuries. Uh, if you're going mid range, Gronk, I think, is probably a little bit too expensive, but just throwing it out there that he's actually been reasonably productive. I, I would assume that if you took his last um let's see if you took him since week let's see where where do you where do you guys think Gronk ranks in fantasy points since week where is it what did I say the last seven since week seven or uh six since week six against Green Bay where do you think he ranks among tight ends in fantasy points you had to take a guess tight end PPR tight end five tight end five what do you say uh Matt Four. Yeah, he is tied for fifth at 85.5. One point. Nice call, Kyle. One point behind Logan Thomas uh, for fourth. So he has been a top five tight end for the last (laughs) seven weeks. Just throw that out there. Not somebody I particularly feel great about at 4,800, but Gronk has actually been involved. And this game could definitely shoot out. All right, fellas, this is time to do our, our small stack segment here. Again, if you guys are showing up late, hit that thumbs up for us. It's a great help. But the biggest thing you can do to help support us, if you like the show and you think somehow along the way we've helped you out, hit that subscribe button, help us get to 50K. Remember, all these shows available in podcast form. One more thing. You're jumping in late and you don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. You got things to do today. Like uh, Keith Vape says, I love your content so much. I'm sitting in the dentist chair watching it with sunglasses on, which is fantastic. (laughs) Uh, If you forgot... The, the promo code is Caruso, uh, C-U-R, no, C-A-R-U-S-O, like Caruso, because we say Alex Baker, awesome, looks like him, to get all of our NBA content coming up, all of our preseason content, plus the first week of premium NBA content for one single dollar for new users, for new signups. Caruso, use that promo code, check that out. Let's close it out, boys. 
Each of us will go around the horn. We'll take a couple minutes here and give our top stack uh, or our top, our favorite low owned stack of the week. And really just what we're looking at the ownership, the top stacks have been updated right now. The highest projected ownership is going to go to Kansas city chargers, Tennessee, Green Bay, with no real differentiation there. They're all 1% to 3% separated. The top stack probability is Kansas City 23%. No one else is even close. Matt, who's your favorite lower-owned stack this week from what we have right now? Yeah, the stacking is interesting. I don't want to continue just to get on Tampa Bay stacks, but I think this is a place where I'm really going to try to target. Love I know it. Chris Godwin's dealing with the finger issue. I think he'll be fine. I know he just got a pin removed and he's been playing with a pin, but I honestly don't know. Uh, honestly, though, if Chris Godwin misses time, I think it just narrows the target distribution and gives us more confidence in Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. If Godwin plays, I'm always interested in him. How about you, Kyle? Uh, I mean, I think it's viable to play the other side as well. I like it's right now we have it as a really decent leverage play in our top stacks tool. And we know that this offense, when they're passing the Minnesota offense, that is, is incredibly efficient. Do they pass as much as we would like if we're stacking them? Certainly not. But if they end up losing this game, you know, significantly, that'd be the perfect scenario for them to be passing. So I I like both sides of this game. I prefer the Tampa Bay side, but you're probably going to get even lower ownership on the other side. So I think both sides are completely viable. I really thought you were going to say Miami. I think they're good enough to be runbacks, but like, I agree. I definitely think like, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying like Tua is outright a better fantasy like provider sure, yeah. for his team. I think they're good enough. If like, I think they're a viable stack. I think I'd rather use them as runback though. Like use Mike Kosecki, Devontae Parker. That's maybe Miles Gaskin. All right, Matt, you went with Tampa Bay and Kyle, you went with Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota was going to be mine as well. Their ownership. Well, Tampa Bay was going to be mine. Well, there you go. No, we're all just screwing each other out of good picks. Uh, I'll go with I had to I had to include out of good picks there. I know someone would have clipped that. <laughs> um, let me go. God, this is tough. I mean, Kansas City's still getting ten percent ownership, projected ownership, with twenty three percent top stack probability. So if that's going to be the case, you're still getting massive, massive opportunity there. Um, Always factor in, if you're looking at the top stack tool, the ownership is only as important as the top stack probability, right? And and vice versa. If the top stack probability is through the roof and their ownership is the highest on the slate, but it's still way lower than the probability that they are the top stack, then there's still a good stack. So, you know, that's that's well worth considering here. Green Bay is another one. 6.9% quarterback ownership, projected ownership, 11.4% top stack probability. Look for some of these stacks that have higher top stack probabilities, higher stack top stack potential, and lower projected ownership, and it'll put you in the right direction. All right, let's close this one out. Matt, any final thoughts on ownership on our top stacks for the week? I think we really need to monitor the J.D. McKissick situation. I think we did a good job touching on this, that basically if McKissick becomes the free square, that should also elevate ownership for guys like Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, and Devontae Adams making it more similar to the last couple of weeks. So just pay attention to that situation closely, see where the chalk is going throughout the week. Kyle, close us out. Uh, you said, guys, can I get your your top low-owned stacks? And then you came back and just said the Chiefs. Like, if I knew that was on the table, I would have just said the Chiefs. I said your top low-owned stacks or your to- and your top stacks or, or your top stacks. All right, so you would have gone with the Chiefs. That's fair enough. But the problem yeah. is you put me in a, in a corner because – 
I can't pick low on stacks after you guys gave the best ones out. We took the good ones. We did take the good ones. So what am I supposed to do? But what I'm saying, though, is, okay, hear me out. In context, like, relative to their top stack probability, the Chiefs are on their own. Agreed. Agreed, for sure. But you're right. They're not low-owned, so... No, I I said I would have taken them, you know, if I knew. So I'm just, you know, I'm I'm, I'm ribbing you, but they're we have it, you know, we have the numbers right here. If they're even close to remotely accurate, the Chiefs are just like people are not recognizing the greatness of this Chiefs essentially. And as you guys both said, maybe Sammy Watkins becomes a a, a good play there to to stack Oh, he's a good them. play there. Not maybe. He's a good play. Sammy is always a good play. The boys, Sammy, for sure. Well, I mean, that's that's highly debatable, but I see where you're going with it. Tomorrow we got the matchups show with Matt Savoka and myself. Got 13 games. That's going to be a marathon if we've ever seen one. But there's no other place to be when you're looking for a game-by-game breakdown as we head or as we approach the weekend. Matt and Kyle have got the FanDuel strategy show. It's an awesome show. FanDuel specific. If you guys love FanDuel or you've been playing there or you want more FanDuel content, that's what you got to watch every single week. And then Matt and I will also be back for another showdown video, strategy show, tomorrow morning. There's so much more coming up. But hold on. Don't go anywhere yet. Just just, just hear me out here because we had someone ask this question. Yes, we are going to have preseason content for NBA 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday. It's Greg Ehrenberg and Adam Scher. They're taking you up to lock. It's the NBA strategy show, the first one of the season. Get stoked, fellas. We got so much happening here, and we're just happy to have you with us. And, of course, tonight, the MMA strategy show with Pete the Heat Rogers and Jason Floyd will lead you up at 730. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll catch you back here soon. And remember, $1 for all of that premium content for NBA preseason in the first week. Just use the promo code Caruso. Peace.